Welcome back in listeners to another episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a fantastic guest joining us today. We have the executive producer at Tier 5 Theater Company, James Cougar Canfield, here to talk to us about their latest show, Legend of the Chalk Circle, playing now through March 26th at the American Theater of Actors, Sargent Theater. You can get your tickets and more information at tier5theatercompany.com. And that's theater with an R-E, our favorite way, the only way to spell (laughs) theater. (laughs) But with that, James, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that we made this happen because I'm intrigued and excited to hear more about this great show, Legend of the Chalk Circle. Could you tell us a bit about the show? Yeah, I would love to. (laughs) So Legend of the Chalk Circle is an adaptation of Breck's The Caucasian Chalk Circle, which is in itself an adaptation of Lee Kyun Fu's The Chalk Circle, which in itself is an adaptation of The Book of Solomon, which is in itself an adaptation of the Jataka Tales from India. It's one of those kind of stories that has been told for centuries over and over and over again, where we get a situation where there's two parents who claim a child as their own, and then a wise judge has to decide who is the true parent of that. So I took those legends and reflected them in kind of a modern sense and explored the different dynamics of what parenthood is in a fun, cool, queer, exciting way. And that's kind of how Legend of the Chalk Circle came to be. I love that. So this is more of a modern retelling of this classic tale that's been told a thousand ways a thousand times. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, it's tough to like categorize it. Modern is a word. The dialogue is very modern. It's spoken, you know, colloquialisms, like that sort of thing. But our setting is 13th century feudal Georgia kind of our our world of legend of the chalk circle exists sort of within the folds of the multiverse combining these kind of all these different legends coming together to create a sort of mashup of these stories that i think is very modern in its its way of being told that sounds cool <laughs> so how did you come up with the idea to to do the show Yeah, so revealing my age here, but 20 years ago, I was a freshman or sophomore in high school and attended one of those public high schools in Texas that was very, very serious about everything. Everything was a competition, including our theater program. And so we did pretty intense theater productions. We did like House of Bernarda Alba by Lorca, Blood Wedding by him as well, Little Foxes, all of kind of these very, very grown up things. So as like a 14 year old, my first show was the Caucasian Chalk Circle, which looking back, I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> Brecht is a lot for a bunch of 14 year olds. <laughs> yeah. But because, you know, when you're introduced to 
different art and especially in Texas in that sort of thing where growing up it sort of was like community theater as musicals Oklahoma like that sort of thing to get that taste of of theater that existed outside of that bubble was so like yummy to me and I think really set off a path for me as an artist and the show just always stuck with me and then about two years ago I was like cleaning my room and going through storage as one does and like found my script for the Caucasian chalk circle from 20 years ago or whatever and was like oh yeah this play is so cool how can I tell it that reflects my experience as a person since this story is so important to me and that kind of became the genesis for wanting to do it so it's been kind of a surreal experience this full circle no pun intended but (laughs) but it has been an experience coming back to that and you know how how this story has followed me for so long with the rediscovery of the script from 20 years ago and everything coming together, the show's been been put up now. What has it been like developing this? So kind of my, my MO as an artist, I'm a, a gay man. I identify as queer. And for so much of my life, I never got to see characters on stage who looked like myself or felt like myself or were my friend, like looked like my friends and that sort of thing. So as a writer, kind of my goal has been, how can I show my life, my friend's life on stage? And approaching Caucasian Shock Circle, I was like, so in the original tale, it's about two mothers who are claiming this child as their own. And I decided, well, what if instead of it being two mothers, one of the parents is a gay male? And then you kind of raise this idea of you know to backtrack a little just to give a gist of the story a revolution happens at the beginning one of the mothers the governor's wife after her husband is assassinated flees the city and leaves behind her child that is discovered by this servant adventure happens they fly into the northern mountain the child grows up eventually the governor's wife comes home comes back from hiding she survived all these years and claims the child as her own so then it gets into who's the real parent of this Mm -hmm. so i decided well what if instead of the original character in caucasian chalk circle is grusha a female servant, turning it into a gay male servant. So then we get into this discussion of, does the child belong to the biological mother who abandoned the child? Or does it belong to this queer man who raised the child, but isn't the biological parent of that? So it kind of raises those big questions and I think is a really interesting way to get into a story that's been told thousands of times, like we've mentioned before um and feels feels lived in and represented and something that James from 20 years ago would have loved to see seen on stage and feel represented by I love that you are telling the story now and the way that you're telling it because it's making the audience face those gray area questions and sit in that uncomfortable zone yeah it's they're big questions and you know what like you can't do Brecht without it being political like, there's no way. That's literally the core of Brechtian theater is political theater. And I think at the end of the day, theater is political. Like, we're we're creating something that art is meant to, like, say something or do something or 
you know, matters. And I think something we explore in the play a lot, one of the big themes is doing what's right versus doing what's good. You know, we have all of these, like you mentioned, like laws and like, you know, constructs that we've created that are the right thing to do, quotation, quotation, but aren't necessarily the good thing to do. Like, what is the good thing that allows us to create more humanity, create love, create peace, like that sort of thing. And it's not always what we're told is the expected thing for us to do. Justice can exist without compassion, but can we exist without compassion? Like, yes. You know. How long have you been working on this play? It's been about two years. It's one of those that I like started writing and then wrote like 15, 20 pages and then stopped writing for months and then like picked up again and reread those pages and was like, oh, thank God these are good. Let me keep writing. Cause that's always my thing is like, I'll write something, put it aside and then have that like pit of fear in my heart. That's like, oh God, I'm going to read this again and it's going to be crap. And <laughs> and like, thank God it wasn't, you know? And so, yeah, about two years, we did several like Zoom development readings. And then in December did a stage reading at The Tank which was so beneficial to hear how an audience reacts to it. And it's such a funny show because it actually is funny. Like, even though we have, it's dealing with some really deep, deep political stuff at the heart of it, it is like a comedic fantasy adventure. And so it was good to hear it for an audience to be able to see, okay, we can balance that. We can balance the complexity of this, you know, justice, legal drama with this high fantasy adventure across the northern mountains and keep it like light and funny and have people walking away being like that was great (laughs) you know (laughs) well we have been going back and forth about you know some very serious things very fun things but i'd love to know what is the message or thought you're hoping that the audience will take away from your show yeah it's so funny you you ask this because a, a patron at the show last night actually came up to me afterwards and was like, what do you want people to take away from the show? And it like struck me that question for a second because I was like, oh, I don't think it's my job anymore to decide what the audience thinks of this piece. Like my role as a creator, as an artist is just to make it happen and then allow the audience to take what they feel from it anymore. And, it, you know, You know, when you kind of have that thought and suddenly you spiral and you just think about all things, you know, you get so deep into it. And that's kind of what happened to me last night that I think, especially in 2023, creating art exists so differently than it it was 10 years ago, that we're putting stuff out on the internet, we're seeing stuff, people can leave comments and reviews and that sort of thing. And like the line of where our artistry begins and ends becomes blurry And in that moment, I kind of decided I want the audience to take what they want from this piece. I don't want to impose anything or to like force my opinion on it. But I will say, I just, I feel accomplished as an artist when an audience leaves, and this is so artsy fartsy, but when they leave feeling more human in whatever way or shape or form that means, that they feel a little bit connected to the human spirit a little bit more than they did two hours beforehand. That was a beautiful answer. Absolutely. My last question for this first part of the interview is, who do you hope have access to your show? 
oh, everybody, because theater should be accessible to everyone. But I really, you know, to go back to kind of something I mentioned earlier, queer people to see themselves reflected in a show that they haven't been reflected in before. And without giving too much of the plot away, it does, our show exists in the multiverse of Chalk Circle Legends. So it kind of at points steers in between different types of legends. So you may get to see a character from the Caucasian Chalk Circle. You may get to see a character from the Book of Solomon or a character from the original Indian legends. And so it creates this really rich, beautiful, diverse tapestry of stories and characters. that I just want people to be able to see themselves, no matter what their juncture of life or their where they come from or their history or ever to see themselves in this story that has been repeated and told over and over and over again. I want them all to feel included. (laughs) So everyone. I want to move us on now to our second part of the interview Mm -hmm. and I'm having so much fun. And so I'm excited for this next part to let our listeners get to know you a little bit more. I want to kick things off by asking you what shows playwrights or composers have inspired you or do you love? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Do we have a full like three hours to like fangirl (laughs) about all, you know, everyone. (laughs) Because I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> One of my biggest influences is Sarah Rule as a playwright. Wow, she's good. She's so freaking good. And what's so inspirational, particularly Dead Man's Cell Phone and Eurydice, were two shows that were just very near and dear to my heart. And I think, you know, I don't want to speak for Sarah. I don't know what her process is, but I just appreciate that she doesn't follow rules. And that she just writes what she wants to write. And I love like actually seeing her shows, of course, but getting to read the scripts is its own completely different experience, even from the stage directions to how she like, you know, formats the scripts is so interesting and cool and storytelling. And I love that every aspect of her plays is storytelling. And that's so cool. I would say definitely, of course, her. Another one that... I I find his work so fascinating is Sam Shepard. I just love how he writes like his dialogue between characters and also that he isn't afraid in the middle of a show to put in these kind of fantasy elements or these elements that maybe fantasy isn't the right word, but like heightened reality elements. Fool for Love is one of my all-time favorite shows. And just the fact that even in the stage directions, he wants microphones in the walls. So when Eddie and May are like banging up against the wall, they reverberate and create that feel. And I love that. I love kind of putting in this sort of slice of life dialogue with these heightened theatrical moments is just so good. (laughs) Yes. Have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Yes. So I have, I decided this 2022, 23 season to see every show that opens on Broadway, whether hell or high water, I'm going to see all of them. And it's become like a little bit of a, um, 
mean, I'm a little intense about it. Like I have my whole iCal laid out of like, I can see this show this day. I can see this show this day. Here are my options. Here's when I need to enter lotteries and like blah, blah, blah to like see it. So it's been a lot of Broadway that I've been seeing, but I highly recommend it. And I've been recommending it to everyone. Leopoldstad, I think just is like so impressive. And, you know, I have loved Tom Stoppard for a long time. Who doesn't? You know, he's so talented. But the fact that he could tell a 50 plus year history in less than two hours and like move you so deeply and just like the point of that show that it's semi-autobiographical in the fact that like the Jewish experience and it just just was really, really impressive. And that he's still going, that he's still making the hits after all this time. And it's just so, it's beautiful and wonderful. And I think so important that people see that show right now in our current climate. And to jump off of that, the other show that I was just blown away by was Parade. I, Michaela Diamond is a force of nature. Like, write it on my tombstone. That's what I'm going to say forever. Like, she is just so good and just like, wow. Wow. <laughs> and another show that is so devastatingly important for people to see right now in this moment that that matters, you know. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? The immediacy of it. I love that, like, you get to share a space with other artists and your audiences and know, like connect immediately with him and actually feel in the moment. There's no other art form like that, you know? I mean, uh, like, and I guess that expands to include like opera and ballet or any sort of live performance that you actually get to share space with your audience and feel that energy immediately. And I think that's so, so special. Yeah. I love that answer. I've never had that answer, and I love that. Well, we have arrived at my favorite question, which I'm so excited to hear from you, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? I saw The Inheritance a couple years ago, and that play was, like, the first time I felt represented on stage, and I saw my friends and I saw myself and you know that play is so special because it's about queer history in a generational way and how we pass like how younger generations inherit inherit our like our stories and our history and I remember the man next to me who I had never met before in my entire life we ended up like holding hands and crying together during it and that will just always be so special to me. And he was much older than I am. But the fact that that play brought us together from two different worlds, two strangers who just like connected so deeply over what we were seeing and seeing ourselves be seen, possibly for the first time ever for both of us in a really accurate and beautiful way was just so special and just really transformative and inspiring to, to connect like that. So I think that's my my favorite theater memory. I love that. <laughs> love that. Thank you for sharing that beautiful memory. Oh, I love that. Are there any other productions or projects you have coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? 
Yeah, so right now our focus is, you know, this final weekend of Legend of the Chalk Circle, but I would love if everyone could give our Tier 5 social media a, a follow. We have two projects that are we've announced that are in development that I'm very, very excited about. M. Hatton, who is one of our actors in Legend of the Chalk Circle, is writing an adaptation of Julius Caesar called Julius Harlem Caesar that sets the Shakespeare classic during the Harlem Renaissance in the 1930s. And we'll feature an exploration of what it meant to be black and queer during that time period. And he's working on it and he shared the playlist that he's inspired by with me. And oh, the music is so good. Like everything should be set during the Harlem Renaissance because the music is excellent. And then hopefully later this year, we're going to do an adaptation that I wrote of The Secret Garden. That'll be kind of a fun new look at that 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 novel that'll be fun for the whole family <laughs> that sounds exciting yeah it's a really really good good exciting year season whatever you may call it of work that we're we're gonna try and put out there and finally if our listeners want more information about legend of the chalk circle or about tier five theater company about you maybe they want to reach out to you how can they do that Yes. So you can follow Tier 5 Theater Company at on our Instagram at Tier 5 Theater Company. Visit our website, tier5theatercompany.com. If you want to find out more of what I'm doing in my adventures, you can follow me at James underscore Cougar on everything on the Insta, the TikTok, all that good stuff. Yeah. Come along. Come join. <laughs> well, amazing. James, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, and I hope to have you back to talk to you for hours and hours and hours. It sounds like you have a lot of stuff coming on the pipeline, so I hope you'll be back to speak about it. But I appreciate you today coming to talk to me about this incredible show, and I hope we get to catch it before it closes. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. This has been so fun. What a good time. What a good chat. My guest today has been the executive producer, James Cougar Canfield, who's with Tier 5 Theater Company, and they're currently presenting Legend of the Chalk Circle. It's running now through March 26th at the American Theater of Actors, Sargent Theater. Tickets and more information are available at tier5theatercompany.com, and that's the number five in there, and theater with an R-E. You can also follow Tier 5 on social media, at Tier 5 Theater Company. And make sure to follow James to keep up with all the amazing projects and productions he's doing by following at James underscore Cougar. And we are going to have all this information posted on our social media as well as the episode description. But if you are in the New York area within the next week, get your tickets now for Legend of the Chalk Circle. It sounds incredible. I, it, I'm sure you are not going to be disappointed. Make sure you check this great show out by going to tier5theatercompany.com. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. Okay.
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.